Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders and specialists about their maverick approach to business, opportunity, and life. The show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Jay Tompkins. Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast with Jay Tompkins. Today we have John McDonough, who is the leader of a premium life insurance finance company called Cool Springs. And even though that may sound a little bit boring, I suggest you listen on as the uniqueness of his products are amazing. Today I have John McDonough as my very first guest and I, I welcome him here because I've been on his show. And John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so the show that you're on is is my podcast called The Premium Finance Show. And I'm Senior Managing Director with Cool Springs Financial, and we are a premium finance shop. We finance insurance premiums on behalf of our clientele. And our clientele is either ultra high net worth individuals helping them with estate liquidity to cover estate taxes or our clientele is businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, closely held privately owned businesses for employee retention, executive bonus, golden handcuff, long-term incentive plans as an alternative to stock options, pension plans, 401ks, and those types of things. And we do all that by financing the premium so our clients pay little to no money out of pocket so it doesn't really affect their cash flow or their balance sheet. And oftentimes that begs the question, how do you do that? What is that? And that's where we get into more in-depth discussions. For sure. Now I'm a CPA and and I've had some clients dealing with you and, and we're definitely happy with the, the results and or opportunities that exist in your system. But what makes you different from your competitors? And in my opinion, if you even have true competitors. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, Sam and I, Sam, the Sam Watson, the founder and CEO of, of Cool Springs Financial, we say all the time. And in fact, on my podcast, he said, you know, we really don't consider anyone to be a competitor because they don't really do what we do or have the same philosophy and mindset that we do. But there are other providers in the permanent insurance space, and then specifically in the financed insurance space. But what makes us different is really our philosophy, as simplified as this sounds, Jay, our philosophy of putting the client first and putting them in the first position of succeeding before the insurance carrier, before the agent receives a big fat commission, you know, putting the client first really sets off the design and and the structure of how we put it together. And, and that's one of our key differentiations, making sure the client has as much value at the beginning of the design as possible relative to later on in the design. No, I totally appreciate that because I, I personally have seen it. Maybe give us an example. Give, give me an example of, of someone you've worked with, the results so far, what it's, you know, what it, what's, what's something like you do looks like? Yeah. So on a, on a corporate scale, you know, we have 
We have a client that they're about, you know, $150 million top line revenue company, solid EBITDA. They've got, you know, a C-suite of employees from the CEO, COO, CFO, some executive VPs. So all in all, there were about 25 individuals in this first round that they wanted to put a, the ownership group and there's multiple owners and a partnership wanted to put a, a incentive package around those individuals. They wanted to put some golden handcuffs in them to prevent them from leaving the organization prematurely, number one. And number two, they wanted to slow down the conversation of, you know, another increase of a bonus every year or the equity conversation. They don't want to have that anymore. So they wanted to put a plan in place that incentivized the the executive that they could see the light at the end of the tunnel of a substantial potential distribution to the executive's favor. But at the same time, the company did not have the desire to have a tremendous expense or cash flow hit to their profitability to fund such a plan. So in essence, they wanted their cake and they wanted to eat it too. And we were able to put a structure in place for them. They didn't know something like this existed. And that's really what we, we fight most of the time is not, it's not disbelief. It's just not knowing that this type of structure exists and this type of financing platform is around that they can take advantage of. So what we did is three, go ahead. I was just going to say that. And I think that's has been, I've seen a sticking point The Actual, you can have your cake and eat it too. It actually does exist in this system. Yeah. And then you have people say, well, I've been taught that if it sounds too good to be true, it typically is. And on a cursory level, one would say that if they don't start digging into the facts and the structure of how this works. But they're exactly right. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is that you need to not turn and walk the other direction, but run the other direction. However, when you understand financing and when you really understand how the wealthy finance, the purchase of assets, that's what we're talking about here. In fact, not too long ago, there was an article that came out in the Wall Street Journal that talked about all these high profile, high level CEOs of Google and Amazon and Facebook. You know, those are the really high profile ones, but even others that people haven't heard of. And what they're doing is they're being compensated in the form of stock options. And they're turning around and taking those stock options to a bank, a big bank like a JP Morgan, let's say. And they're posting those options as collateral to receive a loan from JP Morgan on an income tax free basis. And the asset that they're putting up as the collateral for the loan is those stock options, which they're not exercising. So there's no tax consequence for them to do that. And it's people are calling it a loophole and it's not a loophole. It's just the tax law that's getting into your world of what you do. And so what we do is not too dissimilar from that, but instead of the client bringing the asset to us, we provide the asset as well as organizing the loan so that we can create this arbitrage, this structure that works to accomplish whatever the goal is that the client and the client can be the company 
or the client can be an individual, but whatever the client's trying to accomplish, that's what we do for them. Yeah, and that's a key point. And I think some people getting into this, or if they're going to talk to you about it, they have to have some lending capacity, right? So if they are, let's say, has debt up to the hilt, right? They're o- or over leveraged. It can be difficult or impossible to add this to it because you're using two types of leverage, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong. One is real leverage from, let's say, a banking type institution for at least some period of time in the plans I've seen you do. And the other is a leverage that most people think they can never use. And that's actually your life. And that sounds weird. It sounds super weird. But you'd say, well, wait a minute. How can I leverage my life? Well, guess what? You have a capacity in the actuarial world of life insurance that you are allowed X amount of life insurance based on lots of different factors, right? Most people will never, ever use it all. Not even close. So if you're never going to pay for it yourself or use it, and you explained it exactly right, in the leverage of a lot of people think debt is bad, right? And there are debts that are bad. But a lot of debt and the way you increase your wealth in this world is by using leverage or death, or death debt appropriately and in the right manner, especially with assets that you have. So in this case, you're using an asset that you're never going to use for anything else. So why not use it to help yourself? And that's, that's exactly, exactly right. what your plan does. Yeah, it's exactly right. And then to compound on that, you're using your asset, which is your your total insurable capacity from an insurance perspective. And then it's not just from a death benefit standpoint, though, but with the manufacturing of these competitive cash value products in the marketplace – when you get the right product that has the right cash value, the right ability to earn interest and grow that asset faster than the cost of borrowing the money, that's what we're talking about here. And to your first point, yes, they need to have borrowing capacity, right? They're, the, if it's an individual, their personal financial statement has to be clean. In other words, there has to be a positive equity to their personal financial statement or net worth. And then from a business perspective, you know, the EBITDA needs to be fairly solid or have a solid progression on their growth rate. And their balance sheet needs to be solid as well in a, in a positive position, right? Because banks only lend money to people that don't need to borrow money, <laughs> yep. which is you know, we've heard that forever in our society. If, if you, if you need a loan, the bank's not going to provide you the loan, but if you don't need money, they'll loan it to you all day long. And that's kind of the clientele that we work with the ultra high net worth, you know, the, the strong balance sheet, small to medium sized companies. But when you put the maximum capacity of death benefit that somebody could qualify for with the proper structure of the product, the policy itself with the high cash value component to it, that's part of the differentiation of what Cool Springs does relative to anybody else. And and when we get into that discussion, and you know, sometimes we'll get advisors or CPAs, not not you guys, but other CPAs will be like, well, I'm concerned that my client's taking out so much life insurance on their life. What if they ever want to buy more? And my response is, they were never going to buy more. Most people buy a million, a million and a half, two million, or whatever the number is, just to cover a certain 
series of events, pay the house off, put the kids through school. My wife or my husband need X to live off of. And that's how they determine life insurance. No one uses the carrier underwriting guidelines, which is 25 times their earnings and another two times their net worth. And, you know, they don't use all of those calculations to maximize the death benefit like we do. Well, they could, but then they don't want to pay for it. That's exactly right. Right. It, because yeah, most people it's too purchase expensive. insurance. That's right. Most people purchase insurance based off the affordability or the desired amount of premium payment they're going to make. But because we're financing it, we get to take the complete 180 approach to this and come at it from the other end of the spectrum, which maximizes the benefit for the individual, not necessarily the insurance carrier. And you said something key just a minute ago, because the example you gave is a $150 million company, right? Well, for those listening to this, I want to make sure that I have clients who are doing 5 and $10 million a year that can still do this in a group of three or four people, right? So That's right. the benefit is very flexible and it works really well, in my opinion, for golden handcuffs. I think that it's a fantastic way to incentivize and provide, let's call it a retirement type benefit in, you know, later on in someone's life in a growth mode of a company to help solidify your management team into the future and really make that company and the people that work there who are ultimately the beneficiaries of it all, you know, m- make their life great and and take away the stress of trying to always make more or make a jump to another company or whatever. And even that, even if someone says they're happy where they're at. Well, they can get wooed away by a few dollars real easily, right? And with the explanation of this, it can, I think, can take away that stress to where they go, well, no one else is going to offer this to me or it's unlikely, right? I know ultimately, John, that's probably not your goal, but there's a lot out there and you can only talk to so many people. So, that's right. No, you know, I have, ultimately, have an it's a mindset to this for sure. Yeah, yeah. So and I was talking, being that I was you're talking, in a unique sub in, you're in a sub industry of an industry, right? Yeah, obviously, it's very, and, and it's, it, very, it's niche, very unique. For sure. Yeah. So what what do you think the future of your niche is? Yeah, I think the industry is going to start to adopt more technology. I think so. The insurance industry has been around in the United States for you know since the inception of the United States, but some of these companies that we do business with have been around for 150 plus years. They've been around for a long time, and for whatever reason, the life insurance industry has been reluctant to adopt technology into its systems and operating methods. And I think that that's going to change. Insurance companies are going to be less antiquated and more technologically driven, which is going to allow efficiencies to occur. And what's going to happen then is that we're going to be able to come down market for these structures. And our goal at Cool Springs is to provide this so that every American that is working can retire with dignity. Every American that working and carries a job can retire with dignity by being the beneficiary of some type of structure like this. And the way that happens is when insurance carriers start to reduce their requirements for being a participant in a financed insurance design. Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra high net worth, the uber wealthy. Well, 
now that we can do this on companies and thus their executives and their their managers and their vice presidents and some rank and file, we're starting to come downstream to lower individuals that would otherwise not qualify on their own. And I think as technology advances, both on the insurance industry side and on the banking institutional side, I think we're going to be able to do this for rank and file employees, part-time employees, and we can do this for every American so they can retire with dignity to supplement the shortfall in Social Security, which is just a ticking time bomb, the shortfall in Medicare and, and unfunded liabilities that the government has there. There has to be something to help Americans live comfortably in retirement because 401ks are just not cutting the mustard. Most people are not contributing enough money to make their 401k worthwhile for them. So that's where and I that, see the future that going. That totally makes – and man, that, that completely makes sense because – and I even see it as I'll, – I'll use the word AFLAC, right? It could be a benefit that a company doesn't even have to pay for, but the employee would have access to – Right. Either individually, completely on their own or through some sort of system inside of a company without even the company putting up any risk. It's just on the individual basis on their own because they're an employee and they qualify for X through this type of program. Right. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I see see something like that. So what else have I not asked you? Is, is there something else that, you know, you want to put that, you know, what people want to know about this premium finance unique sub industry? Yeah, most most people haven't heard of it. And so there there's that educational process we have to bring people along. And some people have heard of it and they go to their financial advisor or whomever, their insurance guy, and and they say, Hey, can you write me an insurance, a premium finance deal? And obviously that person for the most part is gonna say yes. Well, what I want to say to people is anybody for the most part that's licensed accordingly can write a premium finance structure and put it in force. Anybody can get a carrier and then anybody can really find a lender and put the two together and then kind of wipe, wash their hands and be done. That's where our work starts. Every year we're working to make sure we're getting the best rates and terms for our clients. Every year we're making sure we're getting the most competitive crediting in those policies for our clients, because it's all about the arbitrage, right? It's all about the growth of the asset versus the cost of borrowing the money and how fast can you make that work to your favor? And so my, my cautionary tell is the work begins after the policy is placed in force, not before that. So you need someone that's been around for a long time. You need someone that's done thousands of these transactions like we've done, not tens of transactions. We've done thousands of transactions. And you need somebody that has a persistency rate, meaning how many of those policies that they've written are still on the books after a certain period of time. And Cool Springs has the best persistency in the entire industry amongst every single carrier in the marketplace. And so that's what people need to think about. If you're going to do this, you need to do it with somebody that's been doing it for a long time that has a success rate and is going to be here for a long time because this is a long-term deal. And hopefully people listening to this and just ask a few more questions, right? Many times there is an extreme amount of trust with a financial advisor or someone like that in your world, right? But that doesn't mean they always know everything, right? And or even have availability to do something unique like this. So 
you know, ask your uh, trusted advisors, ask them hard questions. Don't just trust everything they say. And even those listening on the CPA side of things, right? A CPA is not, is not a bar that everybody knows the same. It, it, It doesn't exist, right? That's just a license we put behind our name. That means we have to keep up with education and all these sort of things. So there is a bar there. But I've found there's a lot of CPAs out there that if they don't know, they just say, well, it, I don't like it. Well, cool. and that's true. And it's really unfair. I mean, CPAs are the most trusted professional in America, hands down, bar none, right? So the CPA industry has done a great job of positioning that amongst business owners and individuals. And I don't begrudge that at all. However, I do feel like CPAs are put in a very uncomfortable position when when a prospective client or someone looking at a finance deal or any deal for that matter, that is out of the scope of, of expertise of that CPA, they're still asking the CPA to, to, to provide recommendations and guidance. And that's not the CPA's role, right? That's not their expertise. And so most CPAs do default to a no because they, they don't want to overextend. And, and that's, or they that's, don't want to say, I don't know. They don't want to say, I've never dealt with this before. So a question I would say for someone listening here, you know, if you're going to ask your CPA, ask them, well, have you ever dealt with this before? And if so, then why don't you like it? As opposed to just taking the, no, I don't like it. It is the assumptive nature of, I don't like it because I've dealt with it or I've looked into it or researched it or I truly understand it, right? Two different lines to two different paths. So uh, you know, that's the problem with, I'd say, many industries, right? In an advisory industry, you're only as good as your knowledge. And many times, not always, many times those advisors don't know how to say, I'm sorry, I just don't know. Because they feel they're at risk of losing the relationship, which to a certain extent, in my opinion, you're actually a better advisor for knowing what you don't know, helping and supporting the client and helping them find the right answer versus giving them the wrong answer for the fear of making yourself look bad. So and we actually find that same parallel in the financial advising space, right? So financial advising is the equivalent in the medical field of your general family doctor, the general practice doctor, right? The the premium finance, the 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 structured premium finance that we do is the equivalent of your cardiologist, your 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 oncologist, your heart surgeon, right? We are very much specialized in the financial world. And so to ask your financial advisor, the equivalent of your general family practitioner, do you need brain surgery? What type of cancer treatment do you need? That is getting them outside of their scope of expertise. And it's not it's not fair to the client and most advisors to your point have the struggle of saying, I don't know, because they want to be the all knowing all, you know, world answers to their client. And that's just not fair to the client. That's exactly right. So talked about all that fun stuff and hopefully we haven't lost anybody along the way, but tell me about your family, John. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I've been married now for 17 years to my high school sweetheart, and we have two beautiful girls, almost 11 and 10. We'll be having a birthday this weekend for the, the eight-year-old, excuse me, 11 and nine. The eight-year-old is turning nine this weekend, and they've started jujitsu, 
as of a couple weeks ago, which is a father of two girls. I'm so excited about because I want them to be able to choke anybody out that they need to. Throw the <laughs> hammer the down when necessary. <laughs> when the time comes. Yeah. My wife is big into CrossFit. We actually own a, a CrossFit box together with another couple. And CrossFit is, you know, my, my wife's saving grace. It's helped her. You know, she's a great CrossFit athlete. She just loves the sport. And I've really seen it change her as a human being. She's, I mean, CrossFit, again, very misunderstood industry, but when you do it right and you do it within your own limits, it's a great, great exercise regimen for people. And then me, I'm a golfer. I like to golf. Golf is my thing when I'm not doing family stuff or work stuff. And, and I'm trying to perfect that sport. And I don't think I ever will. You know, it's funny. It's actually amazing how similar our stories are. Right. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We hit 21 years just a month ago and we have three kids a little bit older than yours. But then we also my wife owns a not a CrossFit gym, but a, a similar type of boutique style gym. Right. So it's amazing how many similars we have. And right. I do also like playing golf, but I don't love golf how you love golf. Right. I, love I don't golf. attempt to perfect it. So but why do you love golf? Give me some insight there. My wife asked me the same question all the time when she says, how was today? And I'm like, it's not good. I didn't play well. She's like, well, why do you keep doing it? And I, Jay, I think it is that. It is, it's the one thing I do that is not relying upon other people. And mm. I'm an athlete. I played soccer. I played competitive soccer. I had visions of being you know, a national team goalkeeper at one point. And, and when I got out of soccer and pursued my business career, I found golf to be that outlet of competition for me, but it's competition within myself. And golf is that sport where you have no one else to blame, but yourself. And when you know you can hit the ball or you know you can putt the ball, every round, there's one or two, maybe more if you're getting better, one or two really wonderful moments of where the clarity of mind and the body just comes together and you hit a great shot or you make a great putt and you're like, man, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what I want to try to duplicate and replicate as much as possible. And so you keep coming back. In addition to that, getting outside, getting some vitamin D, you know, playing with the group of guys that I enjoy and love to spend time with. And golf courses are just beautiful. They're just beautiful, man-made, godly creations that it's just a great time to be outside. That's why I love the sport. That's a fantastic description. And actually, the few times I do play golf and every once in a while I'll throw in that one great shot, I think, man, if I did this more, I could actually be pretty good at it. <laughs> but I just don't have the time and I have other hobbies that I decide to place in front of golf beyond the same thing, you know, it rolls downhill, family work. Okay. Where do the hobbies fit in? And golf is more of a, when somebody invites you to a tournament, in my opinion, and just to be good enough to not look like an idiot. That's my level of golf. So. <laughs> well, I, I enjoy it and I've prioritized it above those other things above, you know, I used to be a CrossFitter, but I, I, it's above that for me. It's above everything else besides family and work and faith. But, you know, it, it's that constant pursuit of perfection that will never be obtained, but I love trying to go after it. 
And that's all that really matters, right? As long as just like as your wife said, well, why do you keep doing it? You have a reason for keep doing it. It's not that you really think you played badly. You know you could improve and you have a way of doing that. That's the key difference. That's right. That's right. And like anything, I even have a swing coach. And my wife's like, why do you have a swing coach? I'm like, well, because I want to be better. And how hypocritical of me if, you know, I ask clients to use me in essence as their employee retention, you know, long-term incentive plan, key man, buy, sell, or estate planning liquidity coach, why wouldn't I also use a coach? That's why I have a CPA. That's why I have a financial advisor. It's why I have a private banker. You know, even the best athletes in the world, you know, I use Michael Jordan because he was my era, but Michael Jordan, you know, had a coach. The best quarterbacks have quarterback coaches. Everybody's got a coach. Tiger Woods had a swing coach. Why wouldn't we get a coach in every aspect of our life? And you're right. And actually too many people, uh, and what happens is it comes out of ability and I'll use ability in a different word of, they don't necessarily want to either spend the money or time because they don't see the value, right? Or again, don't want to spend the capital to invest in it because they're thinking short-term versus long-term. And I see it in the business world all the time, right? They don't want to pay for advisory type work, or they don't want to have that business coach or something like that because they're worried about they have to sell more widgets or build more houses or whatever the case may be, but they don't realize that they, they're going to hit a glass ceiling to some extent because they can only do so much with what they know or have the ability or internal time or resources to deal with. And so it's the chicken or the egg type of thing, right? So which one do you do that? And actually, that's been kind of fun in, in my relationship with my wife and her gym and her partner is that right is going okay you know they my wife and her partner they're the trainers they've never run businesses before and all this is not some big business that's super complicated right that's the fun part that her and i've gotten to be able to get into with of you know i can play devil's advocate sometimes she doesn't like me playing devil's advocate and i have to learn <laughs> when it's appropriate and not appropriate but it's been fantastic over the last couple of years that we've been doing this in being able to have those advanced discussions and relationships related to something that I'm so familiar with. Right. And then on top of that, I, you know, I also own another company and that's really well received with my clients because now I'm sitting in their shoes versus just the advisor that I can talk in theory of what should or could be done. Well, no, I'm doing it. Right. And so there's that level of of difference in in how that works. So, you know, it, it's it, it, the outlook is different. And just like with you and your wife, like you have a different outlook through a business mindset other than, oh, yeah, these insurance plans look fantastic. Well, you know how they can be used in a business world and who they can affect all the way down to, as you call it, rank and file employee. And I think ultimately that's the ultimate goal, as you described it within CoolSpring. So that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, what else do we need to know about John and Cool Springs? Probably where to find us. So coolspringsfinancial.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. Coolspringsfinancial.com or the podcast is premiumfinanceshow.com. And I'm not trying to take listeners away from your podcast, Jay, but if they're curious about that, they can check us out there. 
No, I, I'd love them to go check them out because you and I are are in, uh, I'll say, similar, well, not necessarily similar industries, but similar audience, right? So the guests you might have on or I might have on, I think, would apply in many cases to those listening. So absolutely go check out John's show. Go check out Cool Sports. Cool Springs Financial, I think you'll be welcomed. And if it's something you're interested in, I would tell you, go look at it. It's a long process to go through, right? It takes time, but it, it can be really beneficial long-term for the people in and around your company. And, and I think can make something very unique. Think about the days back when 401ks became, became a thing right? Or even offering health insurance to your employees became a thing. Now they're normal, right? So many people do it. And it's sort of like, if you don't have it, what are you doing? It's like, ultimately, that's sort of like a bar that you have to have to attract employees over. If you don't have it, you're just losing people. I think this is one of those things that that is that next bar, right? That you can be out in front, you can have it, you can attract the best talent because you have it and nobody else does. So that's right. be unique. That's how you make yourself a differentiator in business is being unique, taking chances, going outside your comfort zone, looking at opportunities, whether they work or not. Don't just shove them off to the side because you don't think you like it or it sounds good, too good to be true. Too often I'm asked that all the time. Well, how do you make time to look at all these opportunities? I was like, how do you make time not to? right? You have to make some time to be able to do it and look at it or else you could be missing out on something great. You may not be. I'm not saying all opportunities are great. In fact, my dad, who was a physician, who he got, you know, asked to be part of all kinds of partnerships and all this stuff all the time, right? As many physicians do. And he never got into anything other than owning the building him and his partner's practice was in. And I always asked him like, why? How come? He goes, why am I so special? right? Why am I so special to be able to invest in something? That was his outlook on it. But I think to a detriment was actually too much of an outlook because he would put that shield up, right? And wouldn't look that next step a little bit deeper where maybe there could be a good opportunity versus just saying, why am I so special? Everything sounds too good, right? That's right. So there's a balance there for sure. Uh, And I would challenge anybody listening to, you know, try to, Try to balance that or, you know, every once in a while, take a little bit of that extra time to look into it. I'm not saying put your dollars in, but at least look into it. Don't just push it off right away and make time for it. Don't just ignore it because you're too busy making widgets too. So Yeah, and that's what our job is. I mean, we're educators, right? It doesn't work out for everybody. And for everybody, it's not the perfect fit. It's not one of those things when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But we're happy to educate because the more education we can get out there, you know, the more mainstream this will become. And this will become more mainstream. It's just going to take a little bit of time and technology to do that. I totally agree. And I'm happy to be along with you and and help support you. So, John, I appreciate you coming on the show. Love the fact that you're officially my first guest. You can make that claim forever when we all become famous. And (laughs) I, I will see you soon. All right, Jay. Talk to you, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And there it is. Another fantastic episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at mavericcpa.com, and you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at bakertilly.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.